Hey, Dave here. Uh, just quickly, I want to remind you guys that there are still a whole lot of people hurting from the rash of hurricanes that have devastated the coast. We'd like to encourage you to pop over to redcross.org and throw a few shackles their way for disaster relief. Donating is quick, it's easy. I'll even throw a link in the show notes to make it easier for you. Anyway, we hope you donate, and we hope you enjoy this episode of DC On Screen. His last words, sadly, where he, he stumbled into the, um, in through the doorway and uh, fell down and just said, I'm shot. So he gets all over the hospital after all that, and there's some poor surgeon that actually like cracked him open and like held his heart in his hand, tried to pump. No good. Yeah. And then uh, David Guffin of Guffin Records was there. They were good friends. Of course he was. Yeah. So he was there, and um, he was in the, the, the lobby when the, the surgeon came out with that look on his face, and uh, I, I hear you can still still hear the shrill cry of Yoko finding out. Hmm. Just reverberating through the pipes of that building. That's some tough shit, man. Yeah. Hey, welcome into DC On Screen. This is episode 427. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. Hi. Hi. Alright, so uh, you were just on vacation for a long time. I was. It was glorious. Uh, and I got a lot of funny looks because... Uh, and you actually called to, to ask about this. Because... Um, I did? For, I don't uh, even remember. Or maybe you just asked me about it while we were talking. But, oh. um, you know, I I live in central Alabama, so I was like, I'm going to go to the beach. Oh, but, yeah. You know, and, and then I got a lot of a lot of people kind of uh, ask me, like, so you canceled that, right? Like, no. Why, why would I cancel that? Yeah, because there's a 450-mile-wide hurricane that may be pointing in that direction. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I can get back in the car and go back the other way. I'm sorry. I'm just going to... I, I, I'm going to go down to the place that right now doesn't appear to be affected at all Uh huh. because it's already been paid for, and I'm just going to try to save my money. And then if I have to, I'll just turn the car around. Yeah. And that was my entire plan because uh, it was uh, like uh, we we weren't even, even close to an evacuation zone where we were. Not even close. Okay. We were so far away that we weren't even being like really interrupted by the supply lines. Like gas didn't didn't go up. Uh, no, didn't go up or get nice. scarce. It was not like we were so far to the the left of this. If you're looking at the map from the top, yeah. um, that that it, it wasn't a real issue. Like the worst thing that happened as far as it affecting us was day one had some cold wind that I did not appreciate, and um, we couldn't get oysters. Oh, what was me? Wow. Yeah, I had this uh, probably inappropriate but comical vision in my head of just like. One side of the interstate is packed with cars going in one direction, trying to evacuate, yeah. and you and your wife just cruising down the down, other side, going "ha ha, suckers." Yeah. <laughs> no, I kept We're going looking at the, the beach. I kept looking at the exact opposite traffic and thinking, okay, if this starts really packing up at some point, we're going to rethink this. And it never happened. We just like made it down. And I had this image like we left on Sunday morning, and I would have it would not have surprised me one bit if we drove down. Got to the beach, looked at the sky, and went, well, that's not going to work. Got back in the car and turned the other way. <laughs> right. Wouldn't have surprised me one bit. But I was going to try. I've already paid for this thing. You can't predict hurricanes. I've tried. Like, the money's there. It's spent. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to try. So, anyway, we got lucky. And, uh, ironically enough, by then, Tropical Storm Arma uh, drove right mm-hmm. over my house. So, all we basically did was just duck out and say peace while some bad weather happened. Yeah. Not so bad. <laughs> 
And I feel kind of silly. I feel but... terrible also because like I had this 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 like funny little experience where I've I, I skirted the edges of this whole thing and had a good week. Uh huh. That was I I that's not the basic experience people had with this storm at all. So yeah, I, I got a little like survivor's guilt of being in in uh, well it was South Alabama still, but being near yeah. the coast at the time, I have a little like I feel a little guilty. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I kind of had you know for the first couple of days like I knew you were leaving on Sunday morning. Uh, and between my girlfriend and Brandon, they were like, Hey, are, are they still going on that trip? And, or, Hey, are they okay? Or whatever. And all I could, the first thing that came to mind every time was that old No Doubt song. You came in with the breeze on <laughs> Sunday morning. That's been a bit. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's who I am. Yep. Anyway. Um, I'm glad you had a good week though. I did. Uh, I did. It was it was it was pretty pleasant. It was a good yeah. enough week that when I went to work this morning, I thought the world was ending. <laughs> well, I thought the world was ending all week because like no one like for whatever reason you were out of town, you were busy. Like Brandon was out of town, he was evacuated, you know, because yeah. he lives in Florida. No, he was in so Jacksonville he was up in too. He needed to get out. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, with all with that going on, I'm going to sound really dickish. But like, dude, I'm already the guy that's w- like, I'm sorry you're evacuating your homes that you've already paid for and will lose like your entire <laughs> right. life savings. But I'm gonna go try to save my week's vacation. I already feel <laughs> shitty about that. So whatever you got, yeah. try to up my ante. Well, I was pissed that no one had caught up on Rick and Morty. Like I was dying <laughs> all week. It was such a good episode. It was a great episode. And I was just writhing in pain, just like, oh my gosh, why can I not talk about this with someone right now? Yeah, it was it was rough, and I, it was, at some point I had to call my sister, uh, Brittany, who watches the show, and I was like, hey, what are you doing? She was like, oh, I'm watching this show, and I'm like, stop. You gotta watch Rick and Morty. Oh, is that good? Yes. I need you to stop <laughs> and call me back in 25 minutes. Right. No more. Anyway. Oh, man. Uh, so, something kind of shitty happened. Well, totally shitty happened this week, and it bummed me out. Uh... I guess it's our first big piece of news. Lynn Ween passed away at 69 years old. And, uh, you know, this was a guy who, you know, there's no way I can fully describe everything he did. I mean, he was largely uh, largely responsible for bringing in, uh, well, the so-called comics British invasion. Uh, Morrison, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman. I mean, Lynn actually flew over there to recruit these guys. Um he was an editor during some of the, the biggest uh, storylines in DC Comics history. Not only that, co-created Swamp Thing, co-created uh, Wolverine for Marvel, uh, had hands on both pots. Like I, like I said on Twitter, uh, I literally cannot look in any direction in the Dave Cave here without seeing something that man touched. Yeah. It's, it's um, nice when you're able to like list all of his accomplishments and you think, if I had any one of those, I would have died accomplished right you know i would i would yeah. have been solid like i made a mark i made a mark yeah he definitely made a mark um i got a couple of quotes or a few quotes here from some big wigs over at dc jeff john says not every writer can be a good editor but lynn deserves equal credit for both talents he helped to revitalize the entire dc universe dan DeDio says sad to hear of the passing of my longtime friend and colleague lynn ween lynn was the first comic professional i ever spoke to in a call arranged by my sister and his aunt gloria <laughs> and he taught me the inner workings of comics while we worked on Reboot and War Planets. 
He was a constant source of inspiration in his spirit and creativity, was something every professional should aspire to. One of the true greats, whose love of comics was on every page he wrote. There isn't a single day that I am not inspired by something he created or wrote. He will be missed by many, but his work will continue to entertain for generations. My condolences to his wife, Christine uh, Velada, and his family. Jim Lee wrote, uh, Terribly saddened by the news of the passing of comic book legend and gentleman Lynn Ween, Longtime creator, writer, editor, and friend of both DC and Marvel, he created or edited so many of the greats which really defined my peak fandom years. Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, just to name a few of the juggernauts he brought to life at Marvel. At DC, he co-created Swamp Thing, Amanda Waller, and served as the editor on the very best works here. Looks, uh, books like Watchmen and New Teen Titans. His impact and influence are beyond measure, and we will miss him dearly. Your nemesis, Diane Nelson. Ah. Um, <laughs> said Lynn Wein was one of the most welcoming people and legends in, in comics from the moment I joined DC eight years ago. He wrote or edited almost every major DC character. There's hardly a facet of DC's world that Lynn didn't touch. I, DC, and the industry will miss him and his talent very much. Our love and prayers go out to Christine, his family, and his friends, or his fans. Um, and yeah, absolutely just a, a giant, a juggernaut himself. In the uh, in the world of comic books, yeah, and uh, I was really bummed out by that. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we love starting with disappointing news. Well, I don't want to end with it. It would seem fitting in a way. It would seem fitting in a way, but you know, I don't want I want I don't want I don't want to do that. No, I like the idea of kind of honoring them up front. Yeah, I feel like that's probably where people are you know going to be listening mostly to you know <laughs> before yeah. they say screw these guys and they cut us off you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you sent me this, um, and this is actually, hopefully this will bring the mood back up. Uh, Nicholas Cage was talking to Entertainment Weekly, the 2017 Toronto International Film Festival, where he was talking about Superman Lives, and he says, The movie that Tim and I would have made in your imagination is more powerful than any of the Superman movies. I didn't even have to make the movie, and we all know what that movie would have been in your imagination. That is the Superman. That is the movie. Even though you never saw it, it is the Superman. What the hell is Nicolas Cage doing? What is he on? I, I, don't, I don't know. It honestly, a lot of times it sounds like he's on a combination of narcissism and methane, or methamphetamines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, methane? We're talking about a guy who, uh, yeah, methane, maybe, it might explain a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, it might. I, I forget what it is. It's like, tr- uh, I sh- I'm going to be mad at myself for not remembering, like, trilobites, whatever the, uh, kind of a giant buggish thing that existed a long time ago. Uh-huh. All right. Um, so there are fossils of these things, and he's spent just millions of them, uh, millions of dollars on them. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I don't think he knows how to study them, but he buys them when they're around, I guess, after they've been studied. Yeah, what a nut. He's he's a strange man. Like a strange man who on occasion has given us some great product, but he is a strange man. He is. And from one strange man to another. Um, have you heard about the big backlash for uh, the Jennifer Lawrence movie Mother? No. Uh, apparently critics are hating it, I, and audiences are hating it as well. I haven't seen it. A thing but, with Jennifer uh, Lawrence in it? Absolutely. And it was written and directed by Darren Aronofsky, um, who did... Um, Requiem for a Dream. Sure. Um, gosh, what else has he done? Did he do The Fountain? I don't know. That's the uh, only one I actually he, knew. He's done a bunch of stuff that I've seen and have not liked. And uh, for is, a long time, he was uh, talking Lawrence about... Is not like 
the darling anymore? Did she finally... Not with this movie. She's not... This is her first big failure. I mean, uh, what is it? Was it The Passenger that uh, with Chris Pratt that didn't go over great? But it was still like... It didn't yeah, go over great, you. but we, it was we, still... We got you back. It's cool. And then, I guess... Right. We don't have her back anymore? Well, The oh, Passengers was like... Passengers. I didn't hey, care hey. for it. Yeah. Um, but it still made okay money. It wasn't like a huge amount of money, but it's not like they were going to do a sequel anyway because it's a one-off. Ah. Um, as far as I know, anyway. Um, I just saw the reviews on it and thought, oh, I didn't know her yeah, this, Chris Pratt could combine to do something that wasn't loved. I thought that was just 250% of the necessary charm on screen to make a movie beloved, but no. Well, hmm, the, it was the editing, man. The editing and the story were... I, I did hear exactly those complaints, so... Yeah. You get that. I wanted to like it. I did. But, yeah, yeah Darren Aronofsky, uh, as we've discussed before in our DC films that never happened, uh, was going to do Batman Year One, and um, he's talking a whole lot about his Batman Year One, and some of this stuff is just kind of nuts. Um, <laughs> and Hit I think, me. I feel like the theme, the theme, I feel like the theme of all of this is, I did it first, and now other people are doing it in Batman movies. But uh, Aronofsky was talking about Batman Year One. He says, I understood that with comics, there's room for all different types of titles, but I think Hollywood... At, he, he's also talking about the Joker origin under the new banner as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. He says, but I think Hollywood at that time, the time that he was making Year One, was still in the golden age of comics, and they were still just doing the classic titles in classic ways. I always wanted Joaquin Phoenix for Batman, which, no thanks. Uh, he says, I think audiences now, they've seen enough comic films that they're game for that. Uh, talking about the new Joker film under the new banner. He says, so I think we were a little bit uh, out of time for our our idea. Um, he says, uh, I think it's finally, I think we were basically whatever it is, 15 years too early, because I hear the way they're talking about the Joker movie, and that's, exact, that, that's exactly, that was my pitch. I was like, we're going to shoot in East Detroit and East New York. We're not building Gotham. The Batmobile, I wanted to be a Lincoln Continental with two bus engines in it. With two bus <laughs> engines, all duct taped together. It was the duct tape MacGyver Batman. Because <laughs> that's the thing. That's up there with Rancher Batman. Yeah. and uh, he, He's <laughs> known for going out with shoddy plans, that Batman. He's like, some of my ideas got out there, though, through other films. Like the like the ring with BW on it. Bruce Wayne's ring making the scar was our idea, and I think that was in Zach's or something. Which is fine. You write these ideas, and they get out. We were all about reinventing it and trying to make it more taxi driver visceral. That was the whole pitch. But the toy people were like, oh, it can't be a Lincoln Continental. You have to make a Batmobile. <laughs> and he talks a little bit about... I've uh, never agreed with the toy people. I, I, I don't know that I've ever actually had a moment where I was like, yeah, the toy people have got this, but... yeah. Don't put duct tape on a. No, I yeah. This should not be. This no. should not be a scrapped together vehicle. This man. No, no. I completely well, agree. You know, this is also you know the the pitch where he and like Frank Miller had like you know uh, instead of Batman or Bruce going to like train in all over the world, he's like a fry cook. You know, oh, <laughs> like a short order yeah. cook. You remember That's that? Right. Yeah, I remember that. Um. Uh, they asked him about the uh, which would Chris give Nolan him stuff. a lot of the uh, revenge fantasies and anger he might need to be Batman. Yeah, 
Um, now they were, they were asked him about the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, the the Nolan stuff, and uh, Aronofsky said, "I think with with Chris's work, which was great, he hit it out of the park. He was able to get the darkness in and the psychology of the character, yet he was still able to give the gizmo thing, which I wasn't ever really interested in. So I think that's the backstory. I think we were ahead of our time." <laughs> I was always like, why can't we make a more lower-budget R-rated movie? Uh, just like in comics, you have different brands, and now they're finally doing that. They're doing the spinoffs, which is great. This is an exciting time because they'll be able to take more risks and won't be seeing the same superhero movie over and over again. You'll get things like Deadpool, which was a relief as compared to seeing the same film over and over again. Um, and then he also talked about how he thinks Watchmen as a TV show is fantastic, is a fantastic idea, and it's perfect for that medium. I actually Which, agree with him on you know, that. I would have agreed. I did agree until I saw that he said he agreed with me, and now I'm like rethinking it. Now you're wondering. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's not right. Yeah. Now, also, his his use of the term spinoff isn't accurate here. It's not a spinoff if it's not connected. Like, That's right. Like Rhoda went back and did episodes with Mary Tyler Moore. Mm-hmm. Right. Spinoff is connected, as as far as my understanding of the, of the term is. It literally spins off. Yeah. 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 That's why the other. That's why it's, if it's not a spinoff, it's referred to as a one-off. Yes, we've dealt with this. <laughs> <laughs> Catch yeah, up, but it's Aaron. Darren Aronofsky. He doesn't know. Yeah. Um. All right. So they released a new picture uh, for Justice League. Uh, they released a new picture of the. Uh, I guess they're calling it the Flash Cave. Um. Lots of different things going on. Uh. First and foremost. Ezra Miller, people are freaking out over this, is wearing a plaid jacket. It's what he's been wearing in all the trailers uh, mm-hmm. in that scene. Uh, wearing a plaid jacket looks a lot like Teenage Clark's uh, jacket from Superman the movie. Um, right. I don't know. It, I think it's a pretty big coincidence that the jacket would be that similar. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, Zack Snyder's way of highlighting that Barry Allen has the same youthful exuberance and cockeyed optimism of a young Clark Kent. Or, you know, it's just a jacket. I don't know. <laughs> yeah they're all possible <laughs> whole bunch of stuff stage. whole bunch of stuff going on in the background though uh rick and morty playing that was still like when that, that first justice league thing came out that was one of the most endearing aspects of this character yeah and it's specifically something rick at this way comes with uh mr needful oh, it's like fantastic. the shot of like summer all beefed up beating the shit out of the devil you know? yeah 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 i forgot how much one it was but oh it's good uh, people have been finding a lot of little Easter eggs and stuff inside of this, inside of the computer screens and whatnot behind Barry, uh, forensics fingerprints. Uh, there's a picture of Tesla. There's a reference, uh, to making his suit cold resistant so that, you know, everyone's like, Oh, snort shit. Hell yeah. Um, there's a, um, there's a little like thing that says AC, uh, I can't remember the, the number now, 380 something maybe. I don't remember, but whatever it was, it was the, um, Action comics where Superman goes on trial is put on trial for killing Clark Kent. Um, some interesting stuff in there. Oh, yeah, that was a fun one. So yeah, uh, <laughs> our buddy on Twitter, Randy uh, Randy SF forty five says uh, sends us a link. Says it's a rumor, but maybe worth looking out for. And the rumor is uh, via Umberto Gonzalez of Heroic Hollywood. Uh, he says in Justice League there will not be one Green Lantern, but two Green Lanterns. Let's see if it sticks and they keep them in or if they cut them out. So, uh, again, that's just a rumor. You know, yeah. We've been hearing a lot lately about how many characters are being cut from Justice League. Yeah. Well, um, how many and if? I mean, it's it's 
Yeah. It's still so early that it, it, I mean, I know we've got it coming up in a couple months, but they could still like throw somebody back in. It, it does not take that long to edit something back in like this. Yeah. Uh, Ezra Miller confirmed that the suit does not pop out of a ring in the movie. He says things have to progress, you know. Original Barry Allen was clearly an incredibly, incredibly clever scientist. We acknowledge and respect that. It was a little hard for us to sell in this version of this universe right now. Bear with us. There's got to be other cool things. Uh, it, yeah, actually, something I'm really looking forward to. Um, and the the shot of the Flash Cave, which I'd like to think he named after the Bat Cave. I mean, I don't think anyone's officially said Flash Cave. Uh, I, I would like to think that that's there, and he kind of pulled like a green arrow. He's like, I don't know, idolizing Batman. But that aside, I I, I like the idea that there's so much, uh, like, you know, fingerprint identifications. Um, I would like to say a clever show like Rick and Morty on the Wall. That he's clearly mm-hmm. a clever kid, but he's this youthful, exuberant, puppy-like clever kid who mm-hmm. might be kind of as smart as Bruce. So I, maybe. I like the idea of maybe getting to see, if, if we can... Um, like those two in a crime lab, and you know Affleck being super annoyed, but he's right, kind of thing. Yeah, I would love that little dynamic. Just to well, f- we're getting we're. I've got some news for you, and it's coming up in a minute. Mm-hmm. You might be happy about. Oh, let's do that then. Now, um, <laughs> first though, before I get to that, um, Super Bro Movies apparently reached out to Snyder's publicist. And to ask if he would be doing any press for Justice League. And the official response was, Zach will not be doing any press for Justice League, but thank you for asking. Which is completely understandable, mm-hmm. uh, based on what's going on in his life. Mm-hmm. Again, he has a free pass. We'll see him when he's ready. Mm-hmm. And Deborah. Yep. Uh, so, to the news that I think you're going to enjoy, uh, Ben Affleck was talking to US Weekly, said, In Batman v Superman, he was at the end of his rope. But in Justice League, he's finding hope again. And it almost it made me laugh when I was reading this because it sounded like um, freaking, uh, what was the guy's name? The the, the fight, fighting promoter King? Oh, um, Don King? Don King, yeah. Is it Don King? Yeah, with, yeah. The, with the wild hair. Yeah, you Tyson's remember the Conan cut? bit? Or he he's, it just said, in Batman vs. Superman, he was at the end of his rope. But in Justice League, he's going to find the hope. <laughs> $49.95 only on pay-per-view. Oh, back when it was only 50 bucks. <laughs> I just made up a number. I can't remember. What, like, That's actually I about right. The Conan it, bit. It, it went way up. I think I remember seeing uh, pay-per-views for twenty nine ninety five. <laughs> now it's like $99. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's Yeah. what it sounded like to me when I read it. That feels uh, right. Ben says he has to open up and play well with others. He knows he needs them. Uh, he's sort of the ultimate loner, but he's really trying to make it work and de- develop a good relationship with all of them. Um, he also said he might be a mentor to the Flash. No, that's that's fantastic, right? And the other the other thing is like you got to think Barry Allen does not have anywhere near the resources that a Bruce Wayne would to to put together his little private lab. So I I would love to see like some interaction that's like Bruce kind of respecting like you had nothing, but this is actually I mean for you know. For working to scale, like that, that's just, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like some respect for for him putting it together and you know his, his scientific acumen, and then bringing him in. Like, okay, I'm gonna let you see what I have, and then I, I would expect a few jokes about you know slow the hell down, metaphorically and physically. Yeah. Anyway, there's so, uh, there's a lot of potential for those two characters the way they're setting them up right now. Pretty excited. I, yeah, I think so. Pretty I, excited. That could be cool. I need November to be here faster. <laughs> 
So, yeah, over on Vero, uh, not that it's really DC-related, but uh, Zack Snyder released uh, some stills and a trailer for his new short film, Snow Steam Iron. And uh, he had put out the... uh, Along with it, he had said, What can you do with your talented friends and family? No money and a weekend. Hashtag Snow Steam Iron. Hashtag short film. Hashtag coming soon. Now, I mean, this... uh, The trailer looks phenomenal. It looks like a Zack Snyder film. Um... I don't know. I would almost rather him continue down his pa- a, a path of uh, independent filmmaking, um, just to kind of get some of the fanboy asshole heat off of him. And I haven't been like the like the strongest Snyder supporter, um, specifically with Man of Steel. I actually really enjoyed Three Hundred. I like Sucker Punch. I actually just bought the extended cut of Sucker Punch on Blu-ray. <laughs> nice. I ha- I have like three copies of Watchmen. Um, <laughs> yeah. He has made he's made some great things, I I think. But some of the stuff yeah. that I think was his strongest material, other people think is the worst thing that was ever made. Is yeah. really there is no middle ground it seems with Zack Snyder. Yeah, I mean, I I have issues. I take issues with some of his like, man we, of steel we choices. We actually get accused but... of being uh, Snyder apologists at times. Well, we actually get accused of both. We of hating Zack Snyder and hating Man of Steel, which neither one of us hate Man of Steel. No, enjoy that movie every time I've um, ever seen it. <laughs> I don't know why. I yeah, it has yeah, its problems, like it. but yeah, I like it more every time I see it. But you know, I I do have an issue. Like, dude, David Goyer sucks. I'm sorry, he just does. It does. Um, he's had his moments, and, but generally he's yeah. Not. Every everyone gets a few. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All that to say, I'm excited to see Snowsteam Iron. Uh, Snyder is one of those directors where uh, even even if I don't like something, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to check out his next thing. Like, I'm always going to check out and see what he's doing now. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, between him and that DP he's been carrying around for a while, it's going to look great. Yeah, I mean, he's got a couple DPs now. I mean, Larry Fong, I think, was the main one. but uh, He's expanded his repertoire of DPs? The, well, I mean, he's... Uh, I guess he's using, I can't remember his name now, for the life of me, that Game of Thrones DP on Justice League, I think, now. Oh, um, no, I, I don't know either, but... I can't remember. It's gone away. <laughs> yeah, I know the villain. Fogner, mm. maybe? I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, a couple weeks ago, we were talked about uh, how that guy, the, the crew member on Aquaman, got stabbed after the rap party. Yeah. Apparently, that was that was the Canadian rap party so they're still filming and uh some site called the aquaman shrine as uh as claimed that they're gonna wrap uh principal photography at the end of september uh, on okay. aquaman so there's that what was that like second um, unit or something that got someone stabbed i don't even know man i don't think they said specifically <laughs> well clearly the best headline was aquaman rap party <laughs> yeah like, well, they've wrapped, and somebody got stabbed. I don't know. Yeah. But they wrapped. And it was associated with Aquaman. I'm going to throw this in there. As though Momoa was <laughs> was 40 yards away, just impotent to help. Yeah. Somebody got stabbed at an Aquaman party. Aquaman did not save him. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Nicole Kidman is talking about playing Atlanta, uh, or Atlanta, whatever you want to say. I, it sounds weird saying Atlanta. I feel like I'm talking about Atlanta, Georgia. I know. Uh, I know. You have to be able to she, say it without her accent. That's the key. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, her. she was, Nicole Kidman was talking about the role. She says, I got to be like a mermaid. I got to be a queen. 
I got to wear a crown. I have a particular way of looking. I got to lie on a rock with my hair strewn in blood, and I kind of liked it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that sounds a little crazy, but I like how much she enjoyed herself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm glad she had a good day at work. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, did you, you know, the Squadcast guys were, were talking about how they thought, like, she doesn't really know what the hell she's doing on this set. She's just having fun, thinking she's a mermaid. That sounds entirely right. I'm a mermaid. They gave me a tiara. I'm dead now. I don't understand. Um, I don't did care. You, did you did you see the, the, the comic strip that David Sandberg uh, put up on Twitter that no, I sent you? No, you sent it to me. I'm sorry. I didn't get to check that out. Oh, you bastard. I went to work, and many hours passed. Sorry. All right, so basically the comic strip is very roughly, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Sh- uh, Captain Marvel or Shazam, whatever you want to say. I-, I prefer Captain Marvel in my head, but, um, you know, they don't call him that anymore. Not all of the but copyright it looks like an laws are so. Right. Well, they, they did a whole thing where it was like an old timey comic, like a golden age comic, and he's got someone tied up with a mask on, he pulls the mask off and it's David Sandberg, and he goes... Uh, you know, Pony Smasher, which is his online handle. And um, Sandberg says, you know, oh, you think you're the only one with uh, with a magic word? And I don't know the pronunciation of this, but he yells Rovsmore, which is like Swedish for ass butter. Wonderful. I will not explain what ass butter is, but if you want to look it up, well, just look it up and look at the Urban Dictionary, for God's sakes. Do not go to Google Images. Mm, that feels right. I... I'm not going to do any of that. And he starts to melt and become some sort of awful creature. And uh, Shazam says something along the lines of F this shit and like flies out the window. And it's like, buy war bonds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What did I just just learn? What happened? The moral of the story is that Sandberg has a great sense of humor. And I'm really hoping it, it carries over into the film. Okay. Okay. That works. Um, I mean, he's still posting, like, pictures of all those cans over on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I, he won me over with the fake script. I'm, I'm good with that. No. All right, so I'm about to jump into a pretty lengthy piece here. Um, and I'm excited about all of this. This all sounds really cool. Um, Randall Smith even sent us a link to some of this. says, I think this movie's in good hands because the director sounds like he's putting his all into it. Talking about Chris McKay, who has been talking a whole hell of a lot about Nightwing. Um, he told Cinema Blend, uh, they asked him if Haley Circus will be around. He says, yes, in some form, there will be lots of nods, lots of nods. He told Collider, you always thought Robin was the dork and were like, I don't want to be like Robin. I want to play with Robin. I want to play, I want to play Batman. Like talking about when you were a kid, you know, sure. and relating to it. And he says, but Robin was there as a window character for little kids like me to understand Batman's world and see into Batman's world. There's no other com- character in comics that went through this real-time transition. Um, That's, which, by the way, yeah. I never I never identify with Robin. I always identify with Batman. Well, at some point you identified hugely with Nightwing. <laughs> or the Joker. I did, though. Yeah, I did wind up uh, when he was... But that was when I was already almost a damn adult. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you liked the whole, you know... I don't need you, old man, kind of thing. Um, I didn't like that necessarily. I didn't like that. It wasn't quite the. It wasn't quite that attitude. Like because at my heart, I always want them to work together. But sure. it was there was a, a very 
I liked the the depth of oh shit they've had a falling out and Dick can't get out from under Bruce's shadow and you know it, they totally need each other. It was what I was always rooting for the characters to understand. And by God, I wept like a wept like a child with a skinned knee when <laughs> Bruce finally adopted uh, Dick and I think it was uh, I think it was Legends of the Dark Knight maybe. I don't remember, but mm. um, he totally did. Like he, he finally adopted him. He was a grown ass man, but he adopted him anyway. Sure. And, like Dick crumpled and just hugged him and cried. And oh my gosh. <sighs> I, I did anyway. think you, you kind of enjoyed that struggle for independence and uh, make like making your own place kind of thing. I did. I enjoyed the struggle and I enjoyed the the growth that it allowed Dick. But it and was Batman. never like a yeah, and Batman, and Batman, absolutely. Or Bruce. We should probably call him by their names. I did. In that case. Dick and Batman. <laughs> I called them by their real names. That's actually entirely accurate by my version, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. I know it is. Um, <laughs> anyway. I mean, I feel you. Where, where the hell was I? I don't know. Oh, gosh. Uh, all right, so he says uh, every other character lives in a rough version of the age that they're in. Very few characters actually grow up in the comics to become something else and go from being a boy to being an adult and have their own life and become their own thing. I'm a big comic book fan, and being able to do the story of Nightwing to do a Dick Grayson story, which is a character that every single person in the world knows but has never really had a lot of screen time. They make a billion Spider-Man movies and a lot of Batman movies, and they've tried the Hulk. I like that. <laughs> They've made a billion Spider-Man movies, a lot of Batman movies, and they tried the Hulk. Yeah, and they went with the Hulk for a sec. <laughs> um, <laughs> Still a very successful TV show. I'll have you know. Yeah, he says when they were making the Tim Burton movies, they were always like, oh, maybe we'll do Robin in this one now. Maybe we'll save Robin for Returns. Nope, we'll save it for the next one. With Nolan, people were like, is he going to do Robin? When they made Batman v Superman, they were talking about it. I'm a big fan of underdog stories, and he is one of the biggest underdog stories in comics. And he's a character that I grew up with. I like the arc. Yeah. Um, he is a good one. Uh, he's also and, a lot more fun in certain ways, because he went through a very similar tragedy. And Batman becomes mm-hmm. Bat-Bard, or Bat-God, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is still a guy that can, can quip and have a good time. Still a guy that can yeah. enjoy a joke, enjoy a pun. He's had, he's had a really yeah. bad life, but he's still like this wonderfully optimistic character. Yeah. Um, and do flips. And apparently he has a really nice ass, which I've learned recently. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that, hadn't, that wasn't on my radar <laughs> until, until the thick scandal. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of going back to my old like uh, Dixon McDaniel run and going like, hmm, I don't really see it. But McDaniel's kind of... No, a lot of the uh, images that people put up when that scandal was happening a couple weeks ago. Uh, scandal. It, when that when that piece of news went down, it, it was like they they brought out the the juiciest of, of pictures. Like it was like it was the bounce right. a quarter off that thing kind of deal. Yeah, it kind of felt like come on. There's not like a bunch of lazy drawings of him just basically having a a very vague bump in the back of his pants. Come on. Yeah. Whatever, you you never know you never know what's gonna really like hook with a character, <laughs> and I guess in this case, it was the buttocks. Right. What are you gonna do? Uh, all right. So um, he also says uh, that casting has not started yet. 
But he said it's got to be a effing badass action movie with a lot of heart and emotion. This is what he's t- t- telling Collider. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a crazy fun ride. Whoever gets cast as Nightwing and any of the other actors around are going to go through a boot camp experience because it's got to be a lot. I'm I'm not going to do a lot of CG. It's going to be all real shit. It's going to be real stunt work. And they're going to need to do all the stuff on camera and do it credibly. For the cast and the crew, it's going to be a visceral experience and for the audience. It's not going to be like a lot of these movies where there's a lot of CG and flying and things like that. Everybody, or sorry, everything he does is going to have to be real. His superpower is being really effing good as a human being at fighting and gymnastics, gymnastics and shit like that. So you're going to see that on screen. It's going to be fun. Um, That's fantastic. Metro, Can we actually like etch that in stone somewhere so that we make sure the WB executives don't forget that that's a great idea? He, well, he said something like that uh, a few months ago. He's sticking by. And he's it, still so. there. Okay, I love it. Yeah, and he even even he even goes on to say uh, to Metro, he says uh, Warner Brothers is a more director driven studio than Marvel. Period. The end. More than any other studio you're ever going to work at. Just look at the roster of world class filmmakers that have worked at Marvel. Uh, sorry, Warner Brothers and made it their home. Warner Brothers is a director driven studio, and that's exactly how they operate these movies. Uh, that's the kind of filmmaking you're going to see. And have seen with Patty Jenkins on Wonder Woman. That's what they have done and what they will continue to do. And that's why these movies are not trying to follow the Marvel model. They're trying to do their own thing with filmmakers that they like and produce things that are wholly original and wholly unique. They still want to build a universe and that's why it takes a lot of time and a lot of people banging their heads together trying to figure out what to do. Because it's hard. It's hard to get all these people and all these egos and all that stuff in one place and get it all to work out. But they are committed to that, and that's what's amazing about working with John Berg and Jeff Johns. They're real partners, and so is everyone at the Warner Brothers family. Now, this smells a little bit like he's towing a company line here. It, um, yeah, but it, it it's phrased so enthusiastically that I think he really believes it. I think so. I think he does believe it. But um, Maybe he just you know, hasn't been like broken him. in yet. You know, because I feel like Wonder Woman felt more like a Marvel movie than anything. That DC has done so far. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't completely agree with that, though. I, it, it, in fairness to his point, the Marvel movies, to some extent, feel like Marvel movies that have a, a tweak on them. Like you can tell, mm-hmm. you can tell uh, it, there's a flavoring. But with the the DC a movies, flavoring. they've been like that's that's a you know it's a whole different dish, man. So yeah, I I think Patty Jenkins just did the best job of kind of finding a middle ground that everyone loved yeah. where the other things like the, especially the Snyder products have been very divisive. I mean, they, they went for it, but not everyone bought. Yeah. So it may be actually know. true. It's, what he's saying though, is that they're, they're giving the directors, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of rope to hang themselves with, but yeah, eh, could just be that they kind of told them that. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know because I sort of, I want the DC movies to do, to do better than they have. Um, and you know, like I've said before, Man of Steel was, I like it probably more every time I see it. Batman vs Superman, the ultimate edition. I love the shit out of, and I've seen it like six times. Um, (laughs) Suicide Squad ages worse for me every time I see it. And the more I think about it, it's worse somehow. (laughs) Um, and Wonder Woman, well, I haven't had a chance to watch it a whole bunch, but, uh, in a couple of days I'm going to get my Blu-ray in the mail. So that'll be awesome. Um, I think that one's going to hold I, up. I, you know, I still think I have the issues with the with the villains, which is the Marvel issue. 
um, the general Marvel issue is, you know, that their villains kind of suck and aren't fleshed out. Yeah. Well, but also, you, you got to think of, like, uh, every protagonist is, is the A, the A, you know, the A plot, right? Uh-huh. Well, you know, to that extent, like, the villain is always going to be a subplot, and a lot of people haven't come up with a great way of, really, not not a lot of these movies that we follow and care about have come up with a great way of giving the villain a great way into that A-plot. Well, I mean, shit, man. Like, Burton's Batman, all right? I mean, Vicky Vale was the audience proxy. The sure. main movie focused on Joker. Yeah. <laughs> and even though it was called Batman, I think, I feel like Batman and Bruce Wayne were like he a C-plot. He was in there for about 18 minutes. Yeah, he was like a C-plot. He's just kind of skulking around in the darkness, being weird as Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah. You know. There's, uh, some, with, there's some credit I to that, though. Gonna... Like, if you already know a character so intimately that you're just excited to be there, you're not necessarily... No, like maybe everything else fleshes out, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's him!" But Which, then, by the way, I think I think we're gonna do like a review with Chris White on Batman, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do eighty nine Batman with him. Yeah, so uh, yeah, look forward to that, guys. Be a nice um, chance to review how much he's actually in the movie and whether it affected it. But it is it is nice to some extent because if you already know that character, he can just kind of pop in and you go, "Yeah, you." And you've assumed yeah. him for a certain period of the film, you know, like yeah. even you're watching, even uh, like watching Nicholson, you, you're you're looking at Jack Napier's story, right? But you yeah. you kind of know how it's going to affect the character that you came there to love, the, the the one on the marquee. So it has there's some legitimacy to making your antagonist the main story and just kind of like bringing in your protagonist. But then you get a bunch of shit from people online. They're like, he's there for like 18 minutes and he's only dressed for like eight. <laughs> yeah. it's a batman movie with eight minutes it's basically a trailer of batman like man you're gonna face it from all sides it's that's what this industry does to people so yeah anyway um i think my point though was you know while while the previous movies have been divisive i am a little afraid that warner brothers is taking purposefully taking it into more of a marvel territory and I have seen so many iterations of all these characters. Like, I actually am starting to really enjoy the weird, different takes, which is why I don't mind the Jesse Eisenberg Luthor. I'm like, all right, let's do that. Let's no, do I really liked it. Like, I a lot of people got offended because it it didn't represent this or that, but it was give him credit. He did a new take. Yeah. I mean, yes, he's annoying, but I think that character is meant to be annoying. Yeah, and you know, I mean. A lot of people I've seen on on the Twitter and Facebook are like just bashing, 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 bashing Jesse Eisenberg. I can't say that word for some reason right now. Man, but, um, and they're like, "Oh, Kevin Spacey was the best Luthor." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" That's like, just not true. Even Hackman, it, it was... even Hackman was better than Spacey because Spacey was just doing a poor imitation of uh, Gene Hackman. But you know, I, I, if you really yeah. want. The real best live action Lex Luthor, I think everybody Eisenberg. knows. It's Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah, Michael Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum. Sorry, yeah, Rosenbaum. Uh, Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum Jason, I was going for the right place, but <laughs> your heart was I in the right place. Missed completely. Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville was phenomenal. The best fleshed out, fleshed out um, version of that character so far. Yeah, I, I, but he had seven years, you know. And he he did all of those years with this wonderful like underlying, like you always knew he was going to turn into the ultimate nemesis. But for so many years, I mean, a solid four years out of those seven, you're rooting for him, right? Like you yeah. you want him and Clark to be best friends, and and they are on several occasions. Fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's <sighs> we got to review Smallville at some point, so we'll go into that later. But we do too. We really do. Um, I have it on our little calendar. Know. I know. We just keep pushing it back. It's there. Life it's there in happening. pencil, and I apologize for the pencil, but it's it's gonna happen. But look, uh, you know, I I guess what I'm saying is I uh, I like seeing a new take on things, and I've I know that the, I sound completely different than the Dave you may have heard if you went back and listened to like the first episodes of this, where I was just like, no, they need to do it right, they need to do animated series or whatever the hell. Uh, it, it's possible that we've changed. I know I've changed. I've de- I have changed pretty dramatically in a lot of ways just uh in a lot of ways just from just i've i've mellowed on on you know well i think i think you have become a bigger fan of the grant morrison they're all valid take i have but you know i've i've mentioned it enough but (laughs) if you talk to one of the people who talk to us on twitter you know that i'm gonna keep saying that but yeah yeah. um it's uh but it was also it was a good take and, and I, I, and I think look, it's something I, you've been embracing slightly, uh, well, I, well I, way more maybe than you did before. I do say they're all valid, and while I do, I also feel it's also valid that I am giving the Nolan trilogy the finger, uh, as I say it, <laughs> because I, uh, while Dark Knight might be the best Batman movie so far, Dark Knight Rises ruined it, um, at least in my mind. Yeah, I mean, if you take them in tandem, uh, by itself. Uh, yeah, we've said this before. I won't sure. I won't repeat too much, but yeah, by itself, Dark Knight is one of the best DC things that's ever happened. And then as a trilogy, it's kind of a eh. mm-hmm. Well, but um, I I was kind of really interested in seeing where Zack Snyder was going. I was kind of, I was interested to see like you know how they put it all together in a universe with a lot of different uh, like-minded creators with Snyder at the helm. And now I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know what's going on over WB. I really don't like. No one does. If they no, tell you been, they know, they're liars. Yeah, it's been a little crazy over there. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm a little. Uh, I think I've said a little before. It w- I'll believe the Flash has a director when I'm watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, Margot Robbie. I almost said Margot Kidder. I'm I thought old. you were going to for a second. I don't know why. But go ahead, Margot. Yeah, because we're both old. <laughs> <laughs> We just talked a little bit about the old stuff. Anyway, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, so Margot Robbie um, <laughs> was asked it, when she'll be playing Harley next. She says, "I think next year I'll be back in the fishnets and wielding a baseball bat." Um, when they asked if it was going to be for the Joker and Harley Quinn spinoff or the Suicide Squad two or what, she says, "Your guess is as good as mine at this point." I don't know. That's about right. Yeah, I think they're just developing a bunch of different stuff and seeing what what they like. Yeah, and it's um, it's like Affleck, I think it was that said earlier, he would not be fielding as many questions if it was not Batman. Yeah, but eh, so many people <laughs> care about these kind of products, so we're all just watching way too intently. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Patty Jenkins is officially returning as director for Wonder Woman two. That deal has been set. Uh, she's going to be and making well somewhere between yeah. She's going to be making somewhere between seven and nine million dollars uh, to uh, direct and co-write. And um, I mean, that's just to show have... up on day one. She's got some back end stuff, I think. Oh yeah, she's got a lot of back end stuff. Uh, that, that, that's just to be there somehow. and try to do principal photography. 
Yeah, I feel bad. That sounded really weird and inappropriate. Like, that girl got considerable back in, but I didn't mean it that way. She's going to make money off of ticket sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully merchandise. We're, we're going to take one of the people that's that's been lauded and... Uh... As as a female director, and we're gonna we're gonna right. make her a uh, a sexist joke because that's what we do here. Yeah, no, I well, I've already, you know, I just I'm trying to make sure that it's not taken that way. That's not how I meant it. We're just trying to Even rule it, it out. Sounded that's like all. it. It just sounded like sure. it when I said it. Just trying to make sure everyone knows what had happened was I had said the thing, and then it sounded bad, and I had to clarify. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, she is the, uh, <laughs> she, um, I mean, this makes her like the, the highest paid female director like ever. Yeah. She has, um, at least notched up the glass ceiling on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was paid a million dollars for directing the first one. Uh, now it looks like she's getting around, like they're still not reporting it. They're like exactly what he got, but they're like, it's something more on the level of Zack Snyder's pay. Um, <laughs> I don't know what Zack Snyder got paid on Man of Steel. Uh, he had a bunch of other stuff under his belt that had made you know a fair amount of money though too. So, and that was with Warner Brothers. I don't know what Patty Jenkins was doing. I know she did Monster, but I, I haven't like dug into her. Yeah, it's hard either. to really scale things. Um, it, like it, it's hard to scale things in general, but especially in yeah. Hollywood, it's it is messed up. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know, it's exciting. What's not exciting is that they have announced that Dave Callum or Callahan, sorry, Dave Callahan is uh co writing Wonder Woman two with Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins. Um look, you know, and they're they're saying like uh there are all these headlines that say like, Oh, the Expendables co writer is that's, coming into Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's how I saw it. Here's the bad thing though. He didn't write the Expendables. Um, he sued to, uh, he got them into arbitration with the WGA uh-huh. and claimed that sliced alone, uh, stole his, his idea. And he had used, uh, he'd seen his script borrow or barrow. And, um, that was the original source for the expendables. Uh, and then like they, they ruled that he was to get co-credit and, uh, he earned $102,250 in bonus payments. Uh, and this is per Wikipedia. Um, but also Wikipedia says the plaintiff, the plaintiffs have now uncovered emails from Callahan admitting that his script is nothing like Stallone's script. So that tells me the guy's a liar. And also, uh, I look at his IMDB page and I'm not impressed by any of this. Freaking 2005's Doom? Are you serious? Horseman? <laughs> 2009? Telltale? 2009? And then it's the, the Expendables, the Expendables 2 characters. And I'm like, okay, well, apparently that was all a sham. Uh, 2014, Godzilla? That movie was shit on a stick. And they barely waved it in front of my face to keep me awake. <laughs> I literally passed out in the middle of that movie. It was awful. Oh, that's rough. Um, so look, man, I, I, I don't have any kind of, uh, hope for this cat. I mean, if they put David Goyer and David Callahan next to each other and asked me, which one do you want working on Wonder Woman? I'd probably pick Goyer. So that's rough, but okay. I understand. And by the way, even though like it was a ridiculous schlock fest and fun for what it was, the Expendables wasn't that damn good anyway. 
Like, way to, like, jump on a really stupid bandwagon, dude. <laughs> like, who's suing going, like, they stole my idea for the Expendables? Like, you're claiming that you wrote the Expendables? Really? I, I thought the idea for the Expendables was, what if we just do a basic action movie, but we take all of the people who have done action movies and make it a fourth wall cute thing? Yes, it is exactly that. It is exactly the action movie that you wanted to see when you were 12 years old and you didn't understand why Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Arnold Schwarzenegger were not in a movie together. And Chuck Norris, I think. I'm not sure about that. Well, I mean, they just, as the movies progressed, they did bring in Chuck Norris for like number three or something. I don't know. I mean, it just, it, I mean it's just oh, everyone gosh. you thought was, I, it was it was weird for me because I watched the movie and thought, well, that was kind of shite. But I all the people involved, he thought, these people have gotten me through so much. Yeah, I mean, look, I only saw the first Expendables. It was a romp. I enjoyed the hell out of it. At no point did I ever think that this was a real plot or a real story. (laughs) You were never distracted or fooled by the legitimacy. No, 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 no. Like, at no point did I sit there and go like, oh, man, this is a really well thought out idea. I was just sitting there with a grin from ear to ear going, oh my god, all these people are all together. Oh, this is crazy. <laughs> like, oh man, you just blew a hole through that guy. You know, I don't... <laughs> is there a moment... Am I... It's been so long. Was there a moment where, like, Dolph Lundgren is, like, holding Jet Li up by the throat yes. or something? Yes, there was. <laughs> Why not? I mean, for me, The Expendables was the definition of a guilty pleasure. Like, sure. it's just, like... It is just popcorn nothingness. It is just stupidity from stem to stern. Throw those <laughs> knives at me, Jason Statham. I'm having fun today. Uh, I am. I have turned yeah. off my brain. There is no part of any of this that makes any damn sense in my mind. But whatever. We're doing it. I'm good. You know what happens uh, to me now is like that's... Uh, I don't do it often, but if I watch Kingsman or John Wick, that's pretty much the attitude I go at it with. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. The I'm Kingsman, not looking for anything here. Not looking for anything. You know, Let's just hey, do this. You know, yeah, that's that's pretty much my thought. But I want to see. I have not seen the Kingsman yet. I want to see it before the new one comes out. Um, it was wildly entertaining. I I didn't want it to be. <laughs> Why? I want everything I see to be wildly entertaining. Because uh, yeah, it's got some. It's got some stuff. But I I, I found myself watching that whole movie going. Oh well. I'm not turning this off anytime soon. I'm going to let it ride. <laughs> yeah, well, they got the new one coming out. It looks pretty uh, good, too. And it did. And there there was something, I uh, there was a uh, character I saw in the new one that I thought didn't make it through the first one that I was very happy about. Mm. All right, don't tell me anything else. I, I want to watch that movie. Yeah. All right, so this is uh, this is a little bit of uh, information here that doesn't really do us a lot of good, but it's a lot of, uh, it's kind of fun to think of uh, as a what if. Uh Umberto Gonzalez is reporting, says, Sources tell me uh, that the Ben Affleck's Batman script was inspired by the game. It's a David Fincher movie from 1997. Uh, and he says, where Deathstroke is setting up all these traps and beating the crap out of Batman. And hmm. uh, the initial tweet that he put out, Joe Manganiello liked it. So apparently that sounded that rung true for Joe. Uh, of course, all of that has been scrapped now because of um, Matt Reeves coming into the project. And he's going to do his own thing, which is, you know. Sad, because that's a pretty good movie. The Game by David Lynch is a good movie. Maybe, but you um, want the guy in charge of it to, I don't know, 
you wanted to well, you wanted to have ownership of it and be excited about yeah. it. So yeah. Uh, so Umberto is also saying that if everything falls into place, the Batman should go into production in the summer of 2018. That seems a little. Well, you know what? I would say it seems a little soon, but it actually really just seems pretty on track. Yeah, that's it. that seems about right. All right, so, uh, hey, you guys. I uh, was talking to uh, Matthew Vaughn, who just directed Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Ah? Huh? Yeah. Look at, how that, look at how that came in. Look at that. We didn't even rehearse. No. <laughs> actually, you say, you, we, we, we didn't, didn't, though. We didn't. That's not a sarcastic. I, I, I got no. all Bill Hader on that. We've never talked about what we were doing on the show. That's oh. largely true. Like ninety nine point nine percent true. <laughs> yeah, I've got a thing over here that I've never shown you. You don't know what I'm t- what I'm talking about. Realize <laughs> <laughs> how much stuff there is happening in the DC world. We don't have time to talk about it before we talk about it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Matthew Vaughn, you know, he's been rumored to be involved with Man of Steel 2. Sure. And, um, he says this, I am planning another Kingsman. I've written the treatment and some of the scenes. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I have had chats about Superman. I love Superman. Uh, what does that then mean? the next day, <laughs> the next day he told Collider, weirdly, if I did do Superman, and I made the mistake of telling someone yesterday I've spoken about it and then wallop. I think my main take would be, it's really boring, but make a Superman film. I just don't feel a proper Superman. I think Donner did it to perfection for that time. Just doing the modern... I want to do a modern version of the Donner version. Go back to the source material. For me, Superman is color, feel-good, heroic. He's a beacon of light and darkness, and that's what I think Superman should be. Now, he had a lot of start-stops, and that's primarily because he has kind of shit on Zack Snyder's version. (laughs) And when this news broke the day before, a bunch of people on the internet were being like, screw him, he hates Snyder, and he hates Man of Steel. So I think he's trying to monitor himself. Um, I don't know how much he hates Man of Steel, but uh, he's on record as not having been a huge fan. Mm. Um, Matthew Vaughn, I I like him as a director. I want to see The Kingsman. I liked the kick-ass movies quite a bit. Um, I really did. I liked Layer Cake. Um, I liked first. I liked First Class. Uh, X Men First Class. Um, I think he is a uh, viable option that I would enjoy seeing in. Uh, well, in any vein, I, whether it be a DCEU or a separate take, I would hope it would be a DCEU over anything. Um, but if they are really uh, serious about moving forward with this, you know, colorful, you know, uh, back to basic Superman, then Matthew Vaughn is probably the guy to go to. Just saying. Mm, that's a good theory. For, you know, first class is a fine thing. I. It was a good movie. Yeah. I watched it the one time. I appreciated it, and I've never gone back for it. But it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen certain scenes a few times, but I've never watched it again, you know? Yeah. I uh, Only certain X-Men movies I go back for. Logan is going to be one of those when I get the time. No, oh, I haven't had the spirit for it. Yeah, that's a I tough mean, it, road to it hoe, was, man. It was, it, it, I mean, I don't want to misphrase or mischaracterize myself. It's a fantastic movie. I just, I haven't had, I need a little bit of, like, emotional credit and backbone to go back and watch that movie. Uh-huh. 
All right, so we are exceptionally light on feedback this week. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on of merit, I should say. Um, even though this is going to be a long episode, we've actually we've actually haven't done an episode in more than a week though. So it's been a minute. That's part of it. I had to remember um, which way my microphone faced. <laughs> so we're going to jump right over to DC TV news. Um, if you're not going to if you don't want to listen to that, uh, you can find us over at dconscreen.com. Thank you for listening. Um, you can leave voicemails for the show. Do you remember the number? Because I don't. I'm looking it up. 205-259-6331. Um, that is correct. 205-259-6331. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, DC on Screen. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of feedback, like, like I said, but we have. I have been having a, a lot of conversations. Uh, stuff that's not necessarily feedback, you know, talking with uh, Scott of the Squadcast, you know, Mm-hmm. And uh, Nathan, you know, Wobbly Boots, our buddy over on Twitter. Uh, and we've been, we talked a whole lot about uh, Batman the Animated Series. We talked a whole hell of a lot about X-Men the Animated Series this week. And uh, Wolverine and the X-Men and X-Men Evolution. Uh, yeah, that's how we roll, guys. So if you want to come join the conversation, talk to us. You should just follow all of us. Just follow all of us. Just that's follow <laughs> everything. Follow us. And um, we're going to jump into some DC TV news. First up, Gotham. Um Danny Cannon told TV Line that Lucius is beginning to suspect that Alfred and Bruce might have a double life and politely weaves his way in. Lucius has worked for Wayne Industries and he may work there again one day. And for right now, he doesn't want to see Bruce get hurt. So he finds a way of helping without interfering. Uh, so basically, he's making Bruce's suits for him. His, like, crime-fighting suits. That sounds pretty great. Uh, yeah. I love the actor playing Lucius. Yeah, he's great. Um, he was one of my favorite, like, non series regulars like he was on the show he was a recurring character on the newsroom yeah and and um yeah and he was like no matter what he would always just pop up he definitely did not make it through all of homeland Mm. well i'm not gonna watch homeland so i don't really care that i know that now but um i just always love that he would just like they would always be in the newsroom like talking about like what (laughs) what stories are gonna go with Mm -hmm. and he would just always throw out some like weirdly anti-obama thing (laughs) that just like was like conspiracy theorist out the wazoo and they're like what no and he's like oh okay (laughs) just then saw it somewhere (laughs) that was a pretty good show that was uh that was actually a pretty good show but I, Um, i i generally like sorkin stuff i do too I do too. I went to a theater to see Moneyball. I went to a theater to <laughs> someone count things about baseball. I won't even watch baseball. <laughs> yeah, I I keep being tempted by that Sorkin Masterclass commercial that keeps coming on. It's sure. Like, We're going to break West Wing Season 5, Episode 1. I never saw anything after I left the show. And I'm like, of course you didn't, you egotistical bastard. Man, I want to take that Masterclass. <laughs> That fits. That fits. That fits exactly right. I. I just. I would like to pin him down and have him explain to me why he picked some of the worst theme songs of all time. <laughs> That's my major problem with him. I think. I think Sorkin may be to music. Uh, what uh, Rick Berman was to sci-fi. You know, Rick Berman. He like after Gene Roddenberry died, he ran Star Trek. And, like, when they asked him, like, hey, so what do you watch when you're at home? He goes, the Discovery Channel. <laughs> and they're like, you don't like science fiction? He goes, oh, no, I don't like science fiction. <laughs> like, uh, well, that explains some things. Uh, <laughs> apparently Sorkin just enjoys 
uh, God, uber grand, uber grandiose orchestral music that doesn't even completely fit the tone of your show. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Oh well, I I I think Studio Sixties music was perfect though. It was the closest, and it was only because after like the first episode or two, they just shortened it to like five seconds of music. That yeah. kind of made sense. But, but I'll kind of defend Studio Sixty to the to the death. I love that show I, so I, much. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's so fantastic, guys. If you haven't seen Studio Sixty, I mean, it's one season. It wraps up pretty damn well. For the love of the future of all mankind, go to Amazon and grab you a DVD set of it and just watch the hell out of it because it is great. <laughs> It's, it's it's really great. Even surviving, like, the producers uh, having written, uh, like, two and a half episodes of it. Yeah, it and it did not get canceled because it didn't have good ratings. It had good ratings. It was it got canceled because it was more expensive than 30 Rock. Yeah. It, it, that was pretty much it. All right. I have alerted um, the internet that we're recording right now. Mm. So I said, you got anything for us to say on the show? Someone might say something. Mm. <laughs> All right, starting back, uh, during an interview with comicbook.com, Gotham EP John Stevens uh, said, uh, in reference to Fish Moody coming back, he says, I'm afraid that's it. Uh, As in, he's afraid she's coming back. Nope, she's dead. He says, that one was it. At a certain point, you gotta say definitely, people die at a certain point, and that's the second or third time they die on Gotham. Good for At him. least he's being honest. Yeah. He's like, it takes two or three times, but eventually they die. I mean, we got to kill him a few times. We, we, we did just bring her right-hand man back. Yeah. In an entirely different form and name. Sure. Also, Penguin's been thrown into the water a few times. He oh, my gosh. Okay. Speaking, of, speaking of Penguin, I'm really excited, man. What you got? Oh, man. Uh, he's going to team up with Jerome this year. Oh, fantastic. Steven said, you're totally going to see Jerome this year. You're going to see him in a new position. He's going to form an alliance with a character who has not been he who he has not been near at any time. Um, essentially, we're going to see him and Oliver, not Oliver Oswald, <laughs> Cobblepot come closer. I absolutely want to see that. Yeah, like that is that is fantastic. I mean, at, at that point in um, I, what was it last year or the year before when he was broadcasting and uh, <laughs> Penguin just watching him on television, just going. Pff, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course I want to see that. Yeah. Oh, Flash in the pen. Not the most iconic villain of this city. No, I totally want to see Jerome. And I want to see Jerome and Penguin. Yeah. Um, so you remember uh, last year when Dave, David Mazus said that uh, Harley Quinn was going to be on the show and then it didn't happen? Yep. And then, well, everyone said and then it suddenly wasn't a thing. Yeah, uh, well, they asked uh, Stevens about that, and Stevens says, No, that was my fault. I mentioned something to David in passing that I wasn't as clear about, unfortunately. But we <laughs> but we will not actually be seeing Harley Quinn. No. Um, for us, it very much is like the elements of Harley Quinn that we really like. Not that we don't like the character, but elements of the anarchy, the joy, and disaster that she takes. We kind of put a lot of that into Barbara, actually. So, I mean, I could have told you that. Everybody else could have too, because everyone else kind of thought that she was going to become Harley. Yeah, that all reason. tracks a lot better and saves us a couple of useless news cycles. Yeah. All right, so we're going to jump over to Supergirl. By the way, with that news, I'm actually more excited for Gotham this year. 
than I had been initially. So yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, over to Supergirl, uh, they have re- they have revealed a twist about the character uh, known as Rain. Uh, this is uh, via Entertainment Weekly's Natalie Abrams. Uh, apparently she has no idea she's a villain. Andrew Kreisberg says, when we meet Rain, she's just a woman. Her name is Samantha, and she's a single mom. She has no idea that she is Rain. She has no idea that she has she was the baby in the pod at the end of the last season, so the journey that she takes this season is watching her realize her heritage and seeing how it manifests. Uh, the thing that everybody is struggling with here on Supergirl this season is what does it mean to be human? Um... I'm not only competing with myself on Supergirl, but I'm all I'm competing with myself and all the other shows that I've done. And by that I mean I don't want to repeat what I've done on Supergirl, nor do I want to repeat what I've done on Arrow and Flash. Usually on these shows, you either meet the big bad at the end of episode one, or you meet them at episode seven or nine, and you realize that they've been pulling the strings the whole time, and we're out there working with their multi-year plan to take down the heroes or destroy the city. When we were figuring out Rain, one thing we've never really seen on any of these shows is we've never seen the big bad become the big bad. Fair enough. Um, so, okay. I just, I really hope that she's not like, you remember how like, uh, Siobhan or Siobhan or whatever her name was, uh, Banshee. Banshee. Yeah. She, uh, basically was like a pretty good actress, but kind of a jerk, you know? And then once she became a supervillain, she was awful. Yeah. And couldn't act her way out of a bag. Yeah. I'm really hoping that that's not the track they take here. Um, yeah, it would be Man, great pretty... if they did some some real character progression and made her acting choices made sen- make sense. Because you're right, that and... is that is a great example of this going poorly. Yeah, and then they say like, "Oh, look, you're going to be a single mom," and I'm going, "Well, that's fine. It's just that that makes me feel like you know she's going to be a bad guy, and the Supergirl is going to be like, but your child,' and then she'll be like, "What? You're right." Oh, there's most I don't know. definitely going to be some scene that resembles that. <laughs> but that that can be good. That can be powerful. Could be. You know, I've seen some people suggest that um, that might be the way to get Superboy into the show. Because clearly this kid is going to be half human, half Kryptonian, or half Kryptonian anyway. Yeah. Or at I, least full, maybe even full Kryptonian, perhaps. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I couldn't be full Kryptonian. I mean, it can't. Yeah. I forgot she had to have... Uh, she needs either a... Uh, a matrix yeah. or a uh, male. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, She's not coming there. Like, she came there as a baby. That'd be perverse. Yeah. Cloning has come a long put... way. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, You'd yeah. have to get the needle into her, which even as a baby on this planet, it's kind of mm, a little difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my brain just lapsed for a second. But yeah, she'd have to be, uh, her kid would have to be half Kryptonian, you know. Uh so there, you know, a lot of people are going like, well, Superboy is half Kryptonian. Talking, of course, about the current Superboy uh, that is the son of, of Clark and Lois. Mm. So, Not the I don't know. I don't, right. Which is, you know, I hear Super Sons is amazing. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I, I It has to. sounded fun. I I would like to see that. Yeah. Um, by the way, I didn't, I didn't actually put it in the news that I meant to. Uh People are like all over the internet, like referring or talking about. And David 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 Mazus of Gotham wants to do it, suggesting that he play Damian Wayne in the movies. And I am totally on board that shit. That would be awesome. Mm, I'm gonna go with a no. What? Not that he couldn't do it. He'd be great at it. It's just he's doing great at this. That's not. Yeah, he is. It's not. So during the summer, he can film a damn Batman film where he's Damian, <laughs> and it's quote unquote legacy casting. Jeez, man. Uh, Come on. We live in an age where we can have our cake and we can eat it, too. 
yeah, we get diabetes, but we still can have it and eat it too. Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> Diane. I'm there. Let's do this. No, Diane's the opposite. <laughs> she was one of the people anyway, that held us back. That's right. Let's do this. All right, so Melissa Benoist is talking about how there's going to be a different suit she's going to be wearing at some point this season. She says, uh, I won't tell you when or what to what capacity. It's cool, though. She said it's probably a, lo- a temporary change. I don't know what that means. Does it mean that she'll get pants? I don't know. Or will she go the opposite way? Where she's wearing the Supergirl thong. I doubt it's <laughs> that one. Probably not that one. I doubt it's that one. That was a weird one. <laughs> they're, they're, the um, they have a, a tendency on CW to just kind of change eh, just some aesthetic. It's it's not going to be big. It's it's rarely big. It's not like someone yeah. comes out and you're like, oh, this is an entire... You don't reinvent the costume. You just tweak it. Right. So they, they've got a new suit for Barry that completely reinvents the costume for season four. There you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Speaking to my um, point. It's a, it's a little more streamlined and it's, it's a little more red <laughs> instead of whatever burgundy yeah. or whatever the hell they're we're, going we're, for uh, in the other seasons. There there was a lot of talk before about like in the the little bit of promo we had like, oh, does he have the, the belt or does he not have the belt or what, what, what are the colors? Yeah. Oh, he has the belt. Yeah. Um, so they release this promo with Barry all, all bearded and he's like writing weird stuff on the walls, you know? Sure. It's like a speed force language, you know? Uh, so that looks pretty cool. Um, and some people have, have suggested, I saw, <laughs> and it made me laugh. I hadn't thought about this in a long time. They're, they're like, is this a, is this a deep callback to, uh, to the Marvel Barry Allen? And sure enough, like back, I'd forgotten about it completely. Uh, well not completely, but. Uh, this was a thing in Marvel Comics for a minute where they had a character show up who was a speedster who had long blonde hair and a beard. And um, he said that his name was Buried Alien or something that sounded like that. <laughs> and it was right after Barry Allen disappeared and died in the crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm. So, and he like wound, winds up becoming like a, a character named Flash Forward. Um it was a whole thing, and he was be like, "This is not my place. This is my. Th- this is a different place. This is a different universe, etc." You know, uh, and then if, <laughs> they have a lot of they, they have a they have a reporter in Marvel called Clark Kent who doesn't have any powers. <laughs> Why not? He's like he's a he's a reporter for a news station, but he looks just like Clark Kent in the in the DC comics, and is so, just a I don't dude know, in DC kind of shape. a fun thing. With some glasses, yeah, yeah. that's pretty so, great. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of I mean, a fun thing for. I would like know. for there to be like a DC character named Logan who he just just a lumberjack, just a lumberjack. That's all. That's what he does. <laughs> right. He lives in Ontario. He chops down wood for a living. That's it. What are right. we? What are we worried about? Yeah. yeah, he smokes cigars. What do you want? Yeah. Um, calls people bub. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but jokingly <laughs> over like <laughs> over a decent dinner. Where he's laughing and yeah. talking with friends, like completely. Yeah, that can be. Yeah, fun. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, there's footage of Barry writing weird speed, uh, weird speed force language on the walls. My guess is like, um, you know, they'll do a thing where you know, he's got to decipher it and um, come back to himself, and that'll you know help him outthink the thinker at some point. Like he's got to get his brain quick, you know. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. That's a good call, though. Yeah, the Speed Force hastened his brain enough that he can actually deal with the thinker. 
Yeah, and there's a little bit to to, to back that up a little bit. Uh, but in the in the promo, there's also some footage of Baron Katana, which is a, a weird, obscure villain. Uh, Baron Katana and the Samoroids. Um, but <laughs> we've got some of that. We do have it's a lot a of bit the fun of, the of these shows. Is yeah, pulling someone up. No, uh, uh, now uh, Candace Patton, who plays Iris on the show, recently said this season we're getting a little more lighthearted and funny. Barry, once he comes back from the Speed Force, uh, Barry and Iris have to go to couples therapy and kind of work through these issues. And there's some really funny stuff coming. So that, I, I don't know. I, that kind of feels like some Lucifer shit to me. Like, like oh, well, we've got to go to couples therapy, but not say that I'm the Flash. Let's no, try to, like, no, no, no. talk no, about I, our problems without talking about the fact that we're the Flash. No, I, I, yeah. I think they've, um, Lucifer has made it, it, its mistakes, but don't hold them against the flash yet i know it's just like it feels like some like and in all fairness lucifer has been telling her since day one that he was lucifer absolutely you know what i was wrong i was wrong i'm a piece of shit let me rephrase (laughs) let me rephrase okay what i'm saying is it sounds like some procedural bullshit where we're gonna have him sitting in a therapist's office trying to explain their problems as a couple Without explaining that he's the freaking Flash, and there's gonna be some plinky, stupid, plunky comedic music going. While some poor therapist tries to figure out what the hell they're talking about, and I am not wonder does she secretly understand? Does she really know? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So now that we've got that uh, out of the way, <laughs> uh, there was a question uh, about how long Barry has been experiencing the speed force because time moves faster there. And uh, Grant Gustin says we're not necessarily going to see Barry's experience in the speed force. We'll get we'll we'll see kind of the effects that the speed force has had on Barry, and he's been in there six months real time. I suspect the Speed Force is kind of non-linear with time. So Barry has experienced his entire life from start to the end infinity times over since he's been in there. Um, he talks about how he's a, he's a much wiser and more powerful Flash. And even if he doesn't realize it, he says he's going to have kind of an awakening when he comes out. He's going to have some knowledge that he probably doesn't even quite understand yet. Hence all the, you know speed force language sure he'll also be a little scrambled he won't really be himself the first time we see him andrew kreisberg goes on to say now it's season four and he's really become the flash in the comic books the one who really is in full mastery of his skills and has the emotional maturity that he has in the comics that kind of would that be refreshing cool. at this point i i didn't i wasn't uh, as down as some people were on the last couple seasons where they kind of, you know, took it down a notch as far as the fun level. Yeah. Well, season, really just the season, last season two was pretty fun. Season three kind of took it down a little bit. And season four, if they go back to it, that, that'd be fantastic, too. Well, I mean, you know. I don't think they went too far one, in season three for, they, for me. They, you know, people kind of, people kind of jerk themselves off a little hard. You know, talking about how fun and lighthearted the first season was. I mean, we have, like, Harrison Wells, who we don't even know the true identity of. Like, he's floating around in the after credits and shit, like, killing Simon Stagg and stuff. Yeah. Like, that was some pretty dark shit. I don't care what anybody says. And killing Cisco. And killing Cisco. Like, there was some pretty dark stuff going on in season one and two. So, you know, I think the, the darkness of season three 
was a little, you know, uh, <laughs> exaggerated. I don't I, I, think it maybe, was as dark. I mean, maybe as... not. I, to me, the the darkness of that villain was uh, hard enough that it it did make sense. But yeah. Uh. So anyway, they're gonna explain apparently Julian Al- Albert's uh, Albert's absence. Uh, Helbig says you'll see pretty quickly. There's a reason why he's no longer with the team. Um, but it's not necessarily permanent him not being around. He says there's always the chance that we can get anybody on this show to return. We've had a lot of characters come and go for various reasons, and I don't think this will be any different. Uh, here's the one thing I will say about Caitlin's relationship with Julian last year. I think he was more into her than she was into him. She was dealing with so much personal stuff, so much turmoil, as she was learning about her powers. So I think it's a loss for the show and for Team Flash, but I don't know that Caitlin feels Julian's absence as deeply as she felt, for example, Ronnie's absence. That's fair. And that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, moving on to Arrow. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. What, what else? I mean, yeah, a couple of dates versus a ring. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't blame Julian, though. Do not blame him. I understand. Like a fly drawn to a hypnotoad. <laughs> All right, so uh, here's one of those things where I keep thinking that, like, maybe I keep hoping, not thinking, truly, not truly believing this, but hoping that one day there will be an instance where I don't have to discuss how Guggenheim and Wendy Miracle are freaking liars. But. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we've been going we on go. about this for a couple uh, years, and I feel like it's just going to be part of our daily efforts for some time. Yeah. So, uh, Guggenheim was talking to TV Guide uh, about how long it will be for us to find out who all died and who all lived on the island. He says, it's a slow reveal. This is over on Arrow, by the way. It's a slow reveal. We're going to intercut between the present, which is five months after the finale, and flashbacks that take us to the minutes right before and right after the finale. Uh, now, Wendy Miracle, though, back, if you'll recall, at SDCC 2017, said, We will get that answers. That you will know by the, yeah, you will know by the end of the premiere who made it and who didn't. Mm-hmm. And you'll see Oliver Morning. You'll definitely see him going through a grieving process. So those things kind of seem a little not congruent. Yeah, that was the word I was thinking, and I was like, is that the word I want to use? That's the one but you want to use. you know what, use. you said it, so... I'm going right. to go with it. <laughs> Alright, so uh, at the Fan Fest in New Jersey, they asked Stephen Amell to do the uh, intro for Season 6. He says, everyone always asks me if I will do the Arrow intro. And I have to tell you, I can't do it this year for a very specific reason. Because me doing the Arrow intro is probably the biggest spoiler that I can possibly drop about the show. Sorry, I would get in so much trouble. <laughs> um, he did say you will see a new Arrow suit this year. We, I think we see one every year, though. Sure. Um, he's going to get a new Trick Arrow this season. They asked him what his favorite Trick Arrow was, and he said the one that he has this year um, for the crossover. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun, actually. <laughs> Right? I mean, it sounded like bullshit promoting before, but for the crossover, when you get specific, that sounds pretty great. Uh-huh. Uh, TV Line was talking to TV, uh, to Wendy Miracle, and uh, they were talking about how uh, Oliver's newfound fatherhood is going to affect his public life, especially with him being mayor. 
Mm-hmm. And apparently there's going to be some scandal there. She says, uh, we are definitely exploring this notion of what it's like for Oliver to have a kid and be in the spotlight in the city. We're going to be using that as a platform to tell some stories because it's just a natural place to go. It gives us an opportunity to tell political stories from a different perspective. I'm down with that. That's cool. Sure. Um, Amel said, uh, <laughs> apparently he's going to be smiling more this season. He says, it's a strange thing. Oliver, actually, this season is a very contented individual, at least so far. Methinks that I... <laughs> Sorry, I crack up when anyone says methinks. <laughs> methinks that will probably change based on just 120-some episodes of history. But I've seen three episodes, and he's smiling a lot more. It's nice to it's nice as an actor to not be a stick in the mud all the time. I gotta say, it sounds like he's gonna be fake smiling at his child mm-hmm. for a lot of those three episodes. Now, he did uh, talk about how, like, apparently the the season is going to be more evenly weighted with other characters, whoever survived, I suppose. Mm -hmm. He says, if you follow me on social media, you might have noticed that I've had a little more time off than I normally do. That's just kind of where the story is this year, and I've really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, all right. Cool. I can dig that. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely Um, earned it. I mean, yeah, we know uh, the new Black Canary survives. We know that. Yeah. So, and we know Black Siren survives. Yeah. Uh, because Stephen Amell's talking the about giant her. The one shots like, of their costumes did a pretty good job of indicating that. Right, right. He says she looks exactly like Laurel Lance. She is Laurel Lance. Laurel Lance is the most famous dead person in Star City. So eventually, <laughs> at some point. Wait, wait. If she is. Ray Palmer? They renamed it after him. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. If she. Yeah, I know. I thought about that too. Uh, he says, if she is reintroduced into public life, how do we unpack that? I'm excited for that. That's the dynamic I think could be interesting. Um, you know? I mean, she is a famous deceased citizen of Star City, but still. Yeah, she is. I think, you know what, I think that does fit somehow, though, where, like, even upon his death and having a, a, a place named after him, like a big giant uh tower named after him you know a company mm-hmm. no one really cares about ray <laughs> yeah no one's given a shit in that town for how long now like ever yeah like, but they, they erected a bronze whole... statue of of laurel and uh <laughs> right. had an entire scene where they shot it down yeah uh so colton haynes posted on twitter roy's coming back very soon all right well that's something i mean he did that last season but whatever <laughs> that was about the time we saw him in an advertisement for some candy app crush looking app game yeah yeah some kind of dragon game i don't know it was a, it was a game where you make things connect with other things i, I don't remember yeah <sighs> apparently we Man. found out he was doing a lot of uh indie films at the time so that was just like something he sure. spent an afternoon doing and moved on with his life <laughs> all right so over to legends of tomorrow uh phil clemmer is talking about rip hunter and the time bureau he says i think our legends work best when they're the underdogs, the bad news bears at the end of every season. When the show doesn't end, it means they succeeded in one sense. So our challenge is how do we take their success and turn it into humiliation? Keep making seasons, buddy. That's how. Yep. Obviously, obviously our legends are total screw-ups. But it really helps to have confident people around to just provide that sort of comic foil for our guys. Uh... <laughs> They gave us the idea of, what if Rip went back in time and started the new Time Bureau? So Rip comes back as basically the new boss, the new police chief, saying, what are you guys doing? I can't imagine a more bland, bullshit selling point for this season. 
None of that makes me want to watch this show. It does the exact opposite. I feel like we're watching the the same thing over again. Yeah, a little and bit. They keep promising that it's they keep promising that it's going to be new and different. It's going to feel so different. No bullshit. It sounds exactly the same. It sounds like the legends will not learn their lesson. They'll keep screwing up time. Rip's going to go back and start another time bureau, of course, because I mean, why would he need to go back in time? Why wouldn't he just do it in the present, whatever the present is for him? Oh, no, he's going to go back in time. time he's going to go back in time and start the bureau, and he's going to do it right this time, which, of course, it'll become corrupt at some point. But I, I don't know. And I mean, he'll even maybe with, not, but uh, it still it does reek of like season one where he's used to being, you know, time master and he he's I, and and this is this ragtag group of people. Mm. I mean, yeah, you're right. There's there's not a lot of difference between uh, this ragtag group of people being completely off the leash and him deciding to uh basically refound an an animal shelter. Mhm. Uh so yeah, I I feel bad feeling this way cuz you know why, but in this age where we can, we have so many different comic book shows that are so good, or at least so close to being good. Um, man, I don't need a Legends of Tomorrow mucking up the works. Get the hell out! Please cancel this shit. Make it something else. I can't do this anymore. Like I'll watch it, but I'm not excited about it. I'm not. not I'm good. not quite there yet, but I I do um, miss a couple of years ago when we were super excited about how many characters they were bringing in. Well, you know, they can bring in as many characters as possible, but if the story is shit and the writing is, you know, absolute bollocks, what's the point? I know. Just uh, back when we were just a little a little geeked out because, like, oh, my God, they're going to bring Firestorm in. and Yeah, I know. I was stuff. excited. Uh, that, that was good stuff. And yeah, then this it was. And this is what we have. Yeah, the anticipation was good stuff. Yeah. The execution was awful. I remember the first moment when they uh, they decided they were going to name it DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and we thought, "Oh, oh my, mm-hmm. that's that's a little something, isn't it?" <laughs> I don't know what to make the, make of that. Well, now I do. Now I do. It's shite. <laughs> As, well, maybe it's not that far. I don't think. We'll see. <sighs> anyway, Mark Guggenheim released crossover pictures. Uh, he, he posted with this one weird thing that nobody knows what the hell it is. And he's like, ha ha ha, everyone can try to figure out, uh, everyone can debate about what this is. Nobody knows what the hell it is. It doesn't look like anything. Um, <laughs> and I don't Good care. Good start. Good start. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he also released a thing that looks like, uh, he looks like the gas mask, uh, worn by, uh, Sandy Hawkins and the, uh, in the Jeff Johns, uh, Justice Society run. Uh, looks like Sans mask, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. I'm down with that. Uh, I wonder if that's, uh, they're going to do the Justice Society and the crossover to some degree. Wouldn't that be something? They do the cross, they do, uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, like, maybe, uh, they're going to do, uh, the way they, they start out the crossover is they have a wedding of Iris and Barry. So, like, everybody, of course, is going to be, like, there from the alternate dimensions and everything that know them. Um, but wouldn't it be cool if they had, like, the Legion of superheroes and the justice society, uh, you know, do past, present and future. That'd be badass. I'd be down for that. Actually. I mean, what are the odds that, and they already have the technology to do it in house. What are the odds that Barry doesn't reach out and ask Kara, Hey, do you want to come to my wedding and just kind of mm. initiate that crossover? I think all the, all the tools are already there. Where like, you've got, 
Yeah, I, I think the tools are already there to, to, to do a crossover wedding situation where... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we can see everybody. Including, uh, obviously including the Legion. I would love the Legion to come in and, and almost like stomp on the on the ceremony and go like, hey, you know, we've got some real stuff to deal with. Got it. Introduce them yeah. in their entirety. Really let them off the leash and, um, you know, screw up the wedding. Because it's CW. You can't have real weddings. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, an it's episode gotta be eight by Dooms- or something. Yeah, it's got to be interrupted by Doomsday or something. Yeah, yeah, that's a reference to Smallville. Yep. What up? <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> I just touched my ballsack in a thuggish fashion. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> anyway, I wanted to make that worse, but I'm gonna not. Yeah. All right, so look, Sci-Fi Channel, they just, oh man, they, I don't know how to feel about this, but um, if you listen to our uh, DC movies we'd like to see, I guess some of my wishes coming true, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Sean Sippos of the Vampire Diaries has been cast in a role on Krypton. A world-weary human who finds himself stranded on Krypton as the unlikely mentor to Sejel, Superman's father. The character he's playing is none other than Adam Strange. Mm. This is not how I would have had it. Still, it's sort of like I feel like I feel like you know, like the like Tales from the Dark Side or a Twilight Zone or something, where I'm like, I wish I had this, and then the genie like turns it into something like really like screwed up and yeah, awful. Yeah, you've got the monkey's hand, the monkey's paw. Yeah, that, no, never would like I never would have chosen that way for it to work. And they're like, yeah, but that's what you wish. But here you have it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I wish you the best. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, I would like an Adam Stranger movie. Well. Uh, all right. So um, I guess the last piece of news we've got here is that uh, Kevin Conroy was talking to Wizard World Nashville. Um, and they asked him if uh, they were going to do another Batman Arkham game. And he says, no, I can't believe that they're not going to do another one. But they're not. Isn't that amazing? They made literally billions of dollars on those games. But no, there's no plan to do another one. Sorry. Which, to me, sounds a little untrue. Yeah, it does. That feels too straightforward, if that's possible. It feels too straightforward. Especially since, like, you know, maybe he's, like... You remember when they were doing, uh, when but they had done actually, Arkham? I don't know. He's at that point with this universe where he might just say that and just kind of call him out. Yeah, but you know what? I remember when they did Arkham, uh, when they when Arkham Origins came out, and they weren't supposed to, he wasn't supposed to say they were doing Arkham Knight, and he accidentally yep. slipped up. Yeah, he did. And he was like, oh, oh, oh. And uh, so maybe this is just him, like, trying to be really careful. Because, you know, we've heard so much about Arkham Insurgency. It's him overcorrecting four years later. Yeah. It, we've heard so much about Arkham Insurgency, this other thing. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, you know, Squadcast talked about this. Suicide Squadcast, Scott and Tim, they talked about this. I'm on board with Scott. He says he would rather see a Superman game than a Batman game. Like, see Rocksteady really, like dive in dick deep into he didn't say dick deep because there's is a family friendly show but i'm saying it dick deep into a superman game and really try to make it right or you know uh you know from my lips to to god's ears a flash game uh i would love to see either of those uh or both of those all of it i want it all so uh i don't know what do you think yeah 
Now the expansion, <laughs> the expansion universe is what I'm really interested in. Like, all right, I want to, I want to play with the other powers at this point. Like that flash game, I'm still haunted by that missing flash game. Yeah, me too. But you know what? I am haunted by the fact that they left Arkham on like you know a flaming bat god running around the city. Like I kind of just want don't want that to be the, where they end it. Yeah, I know. Like I feel like if they do another one, they should just go straight ahead and do a Batman Beyond series. Yeah, that would be good. Some combination of like uh, Wayne Manor being destroyed, uh, kind of the like the end of uh, the, like the end of the the Dark Knight uh, Returns, where like they're training like a whole new wave, and um, yeah, like I, I I could deal with some of that. Yeah, I just like him to kind of get out of the idea that where uh, it was just it it was too ambiguous. Mm-hmm. It is pretty I, ambiguous for I'd a, like it to be more series like, of games. Yeah, yeah. like uh, for for him to have retired, and that's a cool ambiguous ending. And there's something that we're like leading into that'd be great, but we haven't seen that exactly. Yeah, but I mean, Insurgency was supposed to be a prequel. It was going to be like Dick Grayson when he was like two years into the role of Robin and stuff. So I'm not sure that's the game we're looking for either. There. Yeah, I want. I I don't know. I want the next chapter. Yeah. By the way, did you see that? Uh, they released a Raiden trailer, and it turns out that one of the premium skins for Raiden is going to be Black Lightning, with a slightly different moveset. That sounds right. For Justice 2. That's pretty badass, right? It is. I kind of wish I could play this game now. Which, I have um, wished I could play this game for a while. It looks like there was like a, uh, it's kind of a, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but you know, it kind of showed up on a, on a list of upcoming PC games. Uh, but it's not like totally confirmed or anything. So they're just kind of, you know, going like, eh, maybe this is news. Maybe it isn't, but uh, hopefully it'll show up on PC at some point. And I'll be able to play the hell out of it. Cause I'm not buying any more consoles. I'm done with consoles. Like I'm, I'm 34 years old, 33, but about to be 34 and, I, and screw it, man. I, 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 I don't got no more time for consoles in my life. <laughs> I, I don't think I can invest it anymore. No. Because you, you end up like throwing a couple thousand dollars at these things. Yeah. And I mean, to be a lot fair. Of fun, but, man. I, don't I never think I played anything more. I never played anything but the comic book based games either. Anyway, like, comic books of Star Trek were the, all that I really ever played, so. I don't really you know, have a. I, I got around, but I don't I don't know if I can do it anymore. Yeah, I know. I remember you got around. You got you had some Call of, uh, Call of Duty and. Uh, Oh, what was that thing that you played for so long? The guy on the island. Far Cry? Far Cry? 3? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Far Cry 3. Uh, um, so. I mean, some Bioshock Infinite and God knows how many NCAA, well, mostly NCAA games. A couple mm-hmm. NFL games. I mean, I mix it up, but... I mean, you know, I had Injustice and we played the hell out of uh, the Batman Arkham... or uh, Arkham uh, Origins, Arkham Knight, Arkham... Not Arkham Knight, Arkham... Uh, Asylum and City. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I oh, mean, the we, last we console I properly owned. On, like, GTA 5. Yeah. Yeah, we did. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. That not, was a lot I'm of fun. I'm not hating on the time I spent with my consoles. Yeah, no. I just not. don't think I can reinvest in that time and money right now in my life. It is a lot of wasted time, I feel like. Not necessarily wasted, but I can't repeat it. <laughs> I just, like, by wasted, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff you want to get accomplished in your life. Sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff of it, where I probably could have done that instead of playing. Yeah. Playing a game. video game. Because after the video game, you're going, what did I accomplish? 
Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, though. We're going to be the first generation of people that's, like, in a nursing home saying, can you give me a copy of the newest game? Probably. And we'll be able to actually, like, contextualize it and play a game. Yeah. Did you ever, you never got into the, the Julian Smith YouTube videos. There's a great one where he had his, like, great-grandmother, and, like, he's like, I don't want to spend time with you, Granny. You're old and you're boring or whatever. And he goes to leave, and she's like, well, I guess I'll have to play, I, I don't know, Call of Duty all by myself. He's like, wait, you, you play that? And she's like, of course I do, you idiot. What else am I got to do with all of this money? <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I this is actual um, great grandmother. Um, I believe yeah. it. Yeah, I could Those I could fun. see myself saying that to someone at some point. Like, well, thanks for visiting me. You want to kill some zombies? Yep. Because they'll always make zombie games. They probably will. Yeah. All right. So a little bit ago, I put out a uh, tweet that said, uh, "We're recording right now. Got anything you want us to say on the show?" And a couple of people got back to us, uh, so here goes uh, some of the uh, some of the stuff that uh, people want to hear on the show. Scott from the Suicide Squad cast over on Twitter uh, wants us to say, "I am invincible." So I, I don't know why. I'm not quite certain as to what that's about, but I am invincible. There you go. Um, <laughs> Nathan at Wobbly Boots eighty five on Twitter. Wants us to say wubba lubba dub dub. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome, Nathan. He also says, uh, at DC on screen, what if Halle Berry's Catwoman teamed up with Josh Brolin's Jonah Hex for a film directed by Joel Schumacher, hashtag train wreck, uh, with a cameo from Shaquille O'Neal Steel? I'd be there opening night for this madness. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're thinking, but yeah, you I, got I mean, a point. I'd, I'd see it. I'd throw down the money. I'd do it. Uh, Tyree Smith says, uh, big Supergirl tease in Justice League Part 1, calling it. Well, there's no Part 1 anymore, but I get you. We'll see, I guess. I, I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Um, but please, let us know why. Uh, Michael Woodall says, and Batman Begins, where Raish asks Batman to kill a criminal, but he refuses, saying he won't kill, then starts a fight killing, like, 50 warriors. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, that, that is an annoying thing. Uh, Al Granite at Al Granite on Twitter says, any chance Rick and Morty will ever cross over with the Flash? Interdimensionally <laughs> speaking, of course. Well, I mean, since, you know, according to, uh, most multiverse theory, uh, everything, there are an infinite number of realities and that means that everything is 100% probable. So yes. And that is it. Thank you guys for, uh, for writing in. All right. Well, uh, I don't think we have any more to go on like that's it that's all i've got like uh yeah, let's wrap it up i mean I, I can deal with that yeah that's that's about that time uh so guys girls whoever may be listening uh you can find us at twitter facebook instagram dc on screen you can email us dc on screen at gmail.com uh and uh you can call us 205-259-6331 a number that I have not memorized, but Jason, oddly enough, has. And uh, leave us a voicemail. You know, since uh, since our listeners ousted the Witter Women, we haven't had any <laughs> voicemails. I think it scared other listeners who were like, maybe I'll leave a voicemail. And they're like, oh, geez, no, I'm not going to leave a voicemail. Yeah. These people are rabid, hateful creatures. Uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Nathan. Um, 
I compare that to whoever our ongoing fear that we basically leave uh, voicemail in the form of a podcast several times a week. Oh, not several times a week anymore. Yeah, on average. We're still averaging the... that. <laughs> it's going to take a minute for us to not average that anymore. I but... know. <laughs> yeah. It's a rolling average. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. We're... I don't know. Anyway, um, we're going to take off. Bring it in. You'll be fine. And uh, you know what? Jason needs to go watch the new Rick and Morty. Oh, God, I do. Because it's phenomenal. It is that time. Not as good okay. as... Not as good as last week, but it's it's pretty great. All right. Uh, and by the way, I was right on my prediction. Like Rick does at some point, just look at Rick uh, at Morty and go like, "Otherwise known as uh, otherwise known as clips of shows that you never saw." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a good show. It's a good episode. Uh, you guys, if you haven't seen Rick and Morty, what the hell, man? What the hell, go man? Go back and watch it from the what beginning. the hell? Just go back and watch it. I don't know what you're doing right now, but it's weird. I'm just doing a weird uh, thing. All right. That's how he does it. No, Except he has not. a better voice. Please stop. I will. I will you're now. You're ruining. You are ruining the suggestion for Rick and Morty. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Until next week. Keep some DC on your screen. Oh, by the way, uh, you know what? We're um, I need to tell you something. Yeah, PBS. Um, for those who stuck through to the end. Uh, there's a change coming to the show and, uh, some stuff has happened. I've already talked about it a little bit on social media, but there might be a new intro coming pretty soon. So, uh, you know, if you go to listen to the show and it sounds different, don't worry about it. It's a new thing. Let us know what you think when it happens. Uh, anyway, yeah. Keep some DC on your screen. 